First of all, there is a set of keys that are in my pocket here. Somebody's lost. I don't know if it was from this service or the other service. It's a little tiny set. Looks like it's got a house key on it and a couple of smaller keys. Anyway, if you happen to have lost just a few keys there, they're right there. And you can get them after a while. That would be great. Please turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Genesis chapter 18. That's where we're going to be this morning for at least a little bit. And I have learned uh, that Satan, is Satan in here? Where is Satan? And Lal? Maybe they were in first service. Anyway, we have a, a gentleman from Burma, from Myanmar, named Lal. And he and his wife, Satin, and their kids have been coming for a bit now. And Satin has just discovered, uh, it appears as though she has cancer. There, it hasn't been completely confirmed, uh, but that is a, a very real possibility. And Lal said to me this morning, would you please pray for Satin? So why don't we just pray right now for Satin? And then we'll have a chance during the week to pray for her as well. Let's pray. Lord, I'd pray that you would indeed bless uh, our sister. And Father, we pray that you would free her from this disease. If it's in, in fact in her body, we pray that you would heal her. And God, we pray this with all confidence and faith this morning as the one who, who's capable and so often willing to heal and so we pray, God, that you would. And we pray this with faith, putting Satin and her life and her health completely into your hands. We pray that you would give peace and comfort to this family. Uh, it's hard to be in a country which is not your own originally. And certainly to be here and not be feeling well uh, is especially hard. And so I pray that you'd watch over this family. We pray through Jesus. Amen. Years ago... I was at, like, I don't know if you ever had this experience. I know you haven't had it here where you, where you were, um, in a Bible class, you disagreed with some, something that someone said. Like, I'm sure that hasn't happened here. But I was in a Bible class years ago with an Old Testament professor who was arguing that Abraham did not change God's mind. And we're going to look at this from Genesis 18 in just a moment. But there's a chance there for Abraham. And the question is, does he change God's mind? And it might be that the first automatic response is, well, no, you're not going to change God's mind. God has his will. God does his will, which is eternally set. We can't impact God's will. And so the Old Testament professor was arguing that prayer must be for our good because you're not going to change God's mind. So if it's good for us, well, that's a, a good thing. Prayer will bring us closer to God then. It will bring us into relation with a relationship with him more so than is the case. It will encourage us. It will bless us spiritually without us actually impacting God's will. And I had some trouble with that. And I had trouble with that because of the, some of the things that were going on in my life at the moment. For example, one of the reasons I challenged him, and I did challenge him in the class on this, was because it wasn't too long before that that Robin and I, or sorry, that I had prayed for rain. And you will remember that story. I prayed for rain, and it rained. And I thought, God appears to answer prayer. 
And it wasn't very long before that. Robin and I had gone through a case where she had been diagnosed with ovarian cancer. The church prayed, and she ended up not having ovarian cancer. And I can't stand today and tell you all the ins and outs of that. All I can tell you is that that's what happened. I know that's what happened. So I was a bit fresh off of those kinds of feelings, like God had done something in our lives, and I wasn't about to let this fellow explain to me how that was all coincidence, and how prayer only was for my benefit to encourage me, and not because I had any chance to actually influence the Lord's will. I remember in 1978, my father, who was 56 at the time, was diagnosed with colon cancer, and... um, the doctors gave him a couple of months. And I started praying. And I started praying very fervently because my dad was not a Christian. I didn't know if he would become a Christian. And I, and I said to the Lord, Lord, if my father is going to come to you and give his life to you and be in a relationship with you forever, then keep him here as long as that needs to happen. But if it looks like my dad is not going to make that decision then take him quickly because there's just no reason for him to suffer anymore. So they gave him some months to live. He died within 48 hours. I don't know why. I can't say God did that. I can say that my faith says God did that. can't prove it to you. But I can tell you that at 19, with my father and my mother by then gone, and being alone in the world in one sense, I nonetheless was totally at peace. And that was because I had entrusted myself to the one who was my Lord. So when I heard this Old Testament professor and what he had to say, I think he got it wrong. Now, the fact is, I've heard some people in our church say this. I've heard people in our congregation say, you know, prayer is really for our benefit. It really, it blesses us more than it does something to God. And I I love you all very much, but I think you're wrong. I think that God does, in fact, hear our prayers and do something and answer our prayers. I don't know if you were noticing on Facebook this week. I hope you get the, the emails from the church and things like that to inform us what's going on. Trina Coughlin has been declared now from her doctors free of cancer. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And Mike and Trina were sitting in the first service. And, and of course, it was a blessing to have them here. It's a blessing to know that they're here in faith. And And you can guess that Mike and Trina... Sitting here this morning, as they're here worshiping the Lord, I don't think they're thinking to themselves, well, prayer is just so that we can be built up and not something that God does. I think that they would say, God was there. God did something for them. Whether he used medical means that we're all aware of now, science can do great things. But where does science come from? Doesn't it come from human beings that God created and enabled them to do certain things? And so God is somehow responsible for that. Or it could be that science had nothing to do with it and God just decided he was going to heal Trina. I don't know what went on there. I can't explain all the ways in which God works. But I put my sister completely in his hands. And I believe that God does indeed 
answer our prayers. Now, the problem, of course, and you recognize this as readily as I do, if you've been around at all for any number of years, is that there are many times, and there have been many times since 1978 and prayers about rain and all of that, there have been many times when I know people, and including myself, where I have prayed and God said no. Where God did not answer with what I wanted him to do. I have a friend in Victoria who just in the last couple of months lost his wife. Uh, she was 55 years old. She had cancer and it took her life. And my friend, like I remember years and years and years ago, him telling me how he was so confident that God would absolutely do everything that we ask him to do. And he was, he was one of those people who would say that the reason that people are not healed when we pray is because we don't have enough faith. And I, I absolutely think that that perspective is wrong. In fact, I think it can be very cruel to say to somebody, well, the reason why your loved one died is because you didn't have enough pr- faith when you prayed for them. That seems to me to be quite out of line with the will of God. But my friend for a while was like that. And I think he moved out of that over time. But when his wife got sick, he went right back there. And he was very confident. He wanted to make sure that he had the kind of faith that one needs to have in order for her life to be, to be saved. I, I, I hope he wasn't thinking that because she died. I'm hoping he's not wallowing in his own lack of faith. Feeling like somehow he cost his wife's life because he didn't have enough faith. And I think his perspective when he went back there is a mistake. Some of you have been in the same situation where there are things that you've prayed about and just hasn't worked out the way you wanted it to. In our church, we have gone through what Jordan and Carrie went through with them in losing two children. And of course, they prayed fervently for their two children to live. Right now, Joanne Luck's sister is going through a rebirth of the cancer in her body. And it seems to have come back in full force. Has Joanne not prayed? Have we not now for years prayed for her sister Linda? Now it could, even at this point, God may heal her. But if he doesn't, are we going to assume that it was because we all didn't have enough faith? Joanne didn't have enough faith? I would say that's not, in fact, the case. There are some times when God simply does not do what we want him to do, even though there are those times when it would seem as though he clearly has. So we have some questions on our mind this morning. Does God really respond to our prayers? Are the good things that happen when we pray merely the times when our will happens to coincide with God's will? When Trina is healed of cancer, is it because in this lucky circumstance her will happens to coincide with God's will? Is that the situation? And he would have done it anyway, whether the Coglins or anybody else prayed? Is it that, the circumstance? And when our prayers are seemingly ineffective, is this because God is going to do his will no matter what our prayers are? So that we have no impact on him whatsoever when we pray. I think that's a question that sometimes is on our mind. And then maybe it can be summed up in this kind of statement. Is the value in prayer simply what it does to us and not ever in what it does in moving God's will? And I guess I want to say to that final question, at least this morning, kind of a rousing, no, it's not just 
something that happens with us when we pray, that in fact God does something when we pray. I'm not going to answer all the questions this morning. I'm confident of that. You're going to leave here this morning maybe with more questions on your mind than when you came with. But I'm hoping that somehow this morning some of the answers that we offer will in fact give you some peace and, and some confidence in what it means when God's people pray. So let's ask this question. Does the Bible indicate that the prayers of human beings can alter God's actions? Which I think is a great question. Like, the, is every time that we pray for something that comes true always because God preordained it in His will beforehand so that He was never at all moved by us with our prayers? And my opinion is that it absolutely we can impact God. God is impacted when we pray. And I want to show you a great example. I hope you're still in Genesis 18. I want you to read this with me. Look at Genesis chapter 18 and look at verse 20 in your Bibles. And this was the text that sparked the discussion between the Old Testament professor and myself about what God does in response, response to our prayers. It says, Then the Lord said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin so grievous that I will go down and see what... The, um, if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me, if not, I will know. The men turned away and went towards Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached him and said, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? He's saying this to God. Is that what you're going to do, God? And then he says, what if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from from you to do uh, far be it from you to do such a thing to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you, will not the judge of all the earth do right? Can you imagine Abraham saying to God, Will not the judge of the earth do right? As if Abraham has the right himself to challenge who God is? Like at this point, you think it's going to be one of those moments where God just went, boom, and Abraham smoke. You don't challenge God like that, but he does. God allows him to ask that question. Verse 26, the Lord said, if I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Wow. It would appear as though God responded. Then the conversation goes on. Then Abraham spoke up again. Now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, what if the number of the righteous is five less than 50? Will you destroy the whole city because of five people? If I find 45 there, he said, I will not destroy it. Once again, he spoke to him. What if only 40 are found there? He said, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. What if only 30 can be found there? And he answered, I will not do it if I find 30. Abraham said, now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, what if only 20 can be found there? He said, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if only 10 can be found there? He answered, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he left and Abraham returned home. I think that Abraham was having an impact on God. I don't think it stood outside of God's will. Like, I don't think that Abraham was saying, God, do something against your will. But I do think that Abraham, in his relationship with God, found God willing to listen. He found him willing to listen and willing, in fact, to be willing to do Abraham's will. 
And that I think is significant. I want you to turn to Exodus 32. Exodus, of course, comes one book after Genesis. Chapter 32 comes one chapter after chapter 31. And verse 10, which we're going to start with, I actually start with verse 9, comes right after verse 8. You can find it. Exodus chapter 32, verse 9. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. O Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was evil with, it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? In other words, Moses is saying to God, why do you want to sully your reputation here? Instead, maybe you should go a bit softer on the people. Turn from your fierce anger, relent, which is a interesting word in terms of thinking about God. Relent and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land I promised them, and it will be their inheritance forever. Remember that, God. I want you to remember this and make a different decision. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster that he had threatened. And my question is, what went on there? Because it seems to me like God said, I'm going to do this. And Moses said, please don't. And God said, okay, I won't. And I think it was God's will in this case to say, my will is actually to do Moses' will. I'm going to honor Moses in this. And he ends up making a different decision otherwise than what he was going to make. Now, I could give you a whole list of these passages. If we could just stay here all morning, the rest of the day, we could just read our Bible over and over again, I could give you a list like this. And we could read lots of passages. This will be on our website, by the way, so you don't have to write this down right now. This morning, people were taking pictures of it, which I thought was kind of interesting. We didn't do that in the old days. Yeah, see, Dallas is doing it. Take a picture. So you can look these up. And all these passages are going to indicate something about God saying to human beings, I am willing to do your will, which is fascinating. Last week in class, we looked at this list of passages in which people made prayers to God about the church's ministry, and God responded by saying, I'm going to bless the church. And he does. He blesses the church's ministry, I think, in direct response to the prayers offered by the people. Well, that just blows me away. Human beings having an impact on God. So if I ask the question this morning, this first point, it just makes sense to me when I look at all these biblical passages, the prayers of human beings can alter God's actions. I believe that. I believe that. I think that's why Jesus says things like, ask me for anything and I will give it to you. Now, I don't think that if I say, Jesus, I'd like you to give everybody in the church family this morning a Rolls Royce. So when they go out in the parking lot after church, they're all going to be shocked and really happy with me. 
Okay? I don't think that's going to happen. So I don't think when Jesus says pray for anything and you can just get anything, I do think, and we could look at 1 John chapter 5, verse, uh, I forget now which one it is, 21 or so, verse 13. And it's going to tell you that we need to pray in line with God's will. There's no doubt about that. But God does allow us to pray in line with his will and that he does give us things that we ask for because that's who God is. And I also think, also think it's absolutely indicative of his relationship with us that that happens. Okay? So the prayers of human beings can alter God's actions. But there's a caveat here. Because we have to ask the second kind of question. Does the Bible indicate that our prayers will always alter God's will? And just as absolutely as me saying that I think he will answer our prayers, I absolutely think he doesn't have to always answer in the way that we desire him to answer. And so my opinion is absolutely not. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew 26. It's the first book in the New Testament. And I want you to look at verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. John mentioned this during the Lord's Supper. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Was Jesus Jesus serious about this, do you think? He's sorrowful and troubled. Then he said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell on his face uh, with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he turned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away from me unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came home, as he, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he, uh, sorry, when he came back again, he found uh, them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away one more, once more and prayed the third time saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near and the son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Was Jesus serious? When he prayed, let this cup pass for me? I think he absolutely was. Like, here's the thing. Jesus went to the cross for you and me. He died so that we could live. But Jesus did not want to go there. He did not want to die. Not like that. Nobody would want to die like that. Nobody would want to have the sins of the world placed on their shoulders. Jesus wanted to get out of this. Sweat drops of blood came from his body because he agonized over what he was to experience. Jesus did not want to go through the crucifixion and he begged his father not to have to go through it. Now ultimately we know that Jesus wanted more than anything for the will of his father to be done. But Jesus prayed make no mistake he prayed to get out of this he did not 
want to go to the cross and he asked to get out of it. And the father's answer was no. God said to his own son, no. Jesus had prayed for the raising of Lazarus and the father answered. There were various requests he had made, lots of requests that he had made to the Father, and the Father said, yes, but in this case, we have the Son of God being denied by his Father when it makes the most important, or I should say is the most important decision of all. This is the poignant moment. If ever there was a time when Jesus wanted the Father to say yes, this was it. And the Father says, No. And so my conclusion about all that is that God will always do his will. And sometimes, for reasons beyond what we can now understand, his will is to bend to our wills. Sometimes he does this. Sometimes he does say yes. Sometimes he chooses to be moved by the events of human life. Sometimes he chooses to listen and be moved to do our will because sometimes it's his will to do our will. He loves us and sometimes he wants to just answer with a yes. It's his will to do so. Sometimes he says yes, but he never says yes willy-nilly. Like God doesn't say yes in some flippant kind of way. He's not absolutely unpredictable. Do it on a whim kind of way in which he answers us. Instead, when God says yes, I believe he does it with wisdom and with love and with compassion because he's in relationship with us. So when God says yes, it's because he's in relationship with us. Sometimes he chooses to bless us just because he loves us. And God is in relationship. He is our father. He's not a despot. He does not deal with us like a dictator. And sometimes just gives us what he wants to give us because he loves us. But because God's will is to always do his will... There are times for reasons beyond what we can now understand when his will is to do something other than what we will. And we know this. Sometimes God says no. But here's what I would say. That in the midst of God saying no, he is no less wise. He's no less loving He's no less compassionate. He's no less relational with us when he says no. He's no less powerful. He does, however, see things that we can't begin to see. He understands what we don't understand. He has things that he wants to accomplish in our world. And sometimes what he wants to accomplish is infinitely larger in scope, far grander than the specific incidences of our lives even though to us they seem like everything. To him, they aren't always as huge 
because he's got the whole world that he's thinking about. And God sometimes makes a decision that is the best thing for his sovereign will, even though to us it seems like, what are you doing, God? But still he does that. And so that's why the Bible expresses things like this. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And it's in His hands then that we put those whom we love. And sometimes, sometimes the call to every human being is to accept His will despite the fact that we can't see everything. And you know what it's called when you accept God's will and you can't see everything? It's called faith. And we are called to be faithful. Even when we absolutely do not see and can't understand. I want you to remember that when I say that, that I'm not someone who is ever, who's never experienced a no. I've had God say to me in some of the darkest moments of my life, God has said to me, no. I don't think he said it callously. I don't think he said it without love. I don't think he said it without compassion. But he still said no. And so I'm not speaking glibly here or with no experience of loss and pain. I have loved some that you have loved and then lost them. I have prayed along with you for certain ones who are now gone because he said no and he said no to you and he said to me, no to me at the same time. So when Jesus asks God for something and God said to him, no, it wasn't on a whim. He loved his son. But like any parent who sometimes does not give their children all that their children ask for, because they see the big picture, sometimes God has to say no to us, and he even said no to his own son. And you could say to him, but why? And you know what he's going to say? And it's very, I think this can be loving and compassionate. I think God might well say to you, because I said so. And that's what, I guess you parents have probably never said that to your kids. Of course we have. And when did you say that to your kids? Was it because you absolutely had no answer to give? They come to you and they say, please do this. And you say, no. And they say, why? You say, well, because I said so. And did you actually have no reason at all for saying that? It could be that right at that moment you couldn't articulate it. It's probably because they wouldn't begin to understand it. Four-year-olds sometimes don't understand everything. Forty-year-olds sometimes don't understand everything. And so God may well, in His own loving, compassionate way, say to us, No, And in his own loving, compassionate way, because we would never begin to get it, he may not offer an explanation. But at that moment, he wants us to love him and trust him anyway. He's not a genie. He doesn't just do for us what we want. 
can't rub the bottle. We can't state an incantation and God just automatically answers. He's not tied down to doing what we want him to do when we cast a spell. He is instead our loving father, a parent who actually knows better than we. And part of the relationship that we have with him means that we will, he will not always do what we want nor can he begin to explain all the reasons why he's not doing what we want and he just wants us to accept it. So sometimes God does say in his own way, because I said so. And we need to listen. You know, Paul said, I see in a mirror dimly. Someday I will see face to face. He said, right now I don't know everything, but I am known by God. Do you know the chapter in which Jesus, or in which Paul said, I see in a mirror dimly, I don't see it all, someday I'll see face to face. Do you know the the chapter in which he said that? 1 Corinthians 13. What is that, folks? What what do we know that as? What chapter is that? It's the love chapter. So right in the middle of the love chapter, Paul says, I see in a mirror dimly, someday I will see face to face. It's perfect context those words we don't see perfectly now but the love of god is the answer that we need when we cannot see and so he's not unloving he's not uncaring and not he's not void of compassion but sometimes he's going to say no nothing hurt more than god saying no to his son's prayers but he said it because it was ultimately the loving thing to do and he always does the loving thing even when we can't understand or see how it's possible that right at that moment he's loving us. He still is. And it's in that one in whom I've put my hope. And I invite you to do the same. I know no better course. How else do we respond to God's no? And so we will keep praying. No matter how many no's there seem to be. Because our Father, whom we love and who loves us, sometimes decides to bend His will to ours and sometimes He doesn't. And no matter what there is, we will continue to rejoice. Let's pray. Lord, we put ourselves and those whom we love in your hands. And no, we don't always understand why sometimes there's a yes and sometimes there's a no. I believe that when you do say yes, that you have decided in that moment to bend your will to our wills. And we're so grateful. But we also, Father, know there are times when you choose not to bend your will, when you say no. And help us, Father, at those moments also to be grateful for who you are in your relationship with us. We pray through Jesus. Amen.